HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border, coast to coast, and all the ships at sea. Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show. Spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear fission. They're too bad for radio and too good-looking for television. And now, here they are, the Nichols and May of the Now Generation, your hosts, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire. And we're back, and we're not high anymore, and the, and the, the station is, has been de-stenched. They left to Febreze the shit it, out of it. It took a week to come down after last week's Apocalypse 2012. <laughs> Well, glad to see you, Judy, and glad to see you uh, back in fine fettle and not napping or hungry or bumping into walls this week. Yeah, I got a secondhand high from the Apocalypso show. Last, like, last week was our pot party, pot tasting show, and uh, Grandma here really can't deal. I don't smoke the weed, and if you know, but it doesn't really matter when you're in a small room filled with smoke. Well, you know, we both worked for high times, and that's enough to put you off weed forever. It did. Those fucking paranoid assholes. Except I'm back. I came there you back. Are. You're back because I'm weed. better than they are. <laughs> Not hard. Yeah. Well, today I'm so happy. This room is so filled with talent. It's it's really incredible. It's a smarty party in here today. Woo! Judy is smart media. <laughs> we have two fantastic guests. I started um, thinking of this show as a, a Kindle single show because they both have had gr- pretty good success with um, Kindle singles. Mike Albo who is the author of Hornito and Underminer, the best friend who casually ruins, destroys your life. His um, Kindle single, The Junket, was um, fucking hilarious it, it, recounting of how he got fired from the New York it, Times. It, it's awesome, and it's, it's sort of like an internet tragedy of sorts. Yeah, um, fucking Gawker. Very funny. No, fucking Gawker in the fucking New York Times. Fuck them. Fuck the New York Times. Fuck anyway, them. our other <laughs> our other Kindle single author... More anti-Semitism here on the Mike and Judy show. <laughs> what? <laughs> the fucking New York Times. 
fucking got, Jewish liberal motherfuckers. We've got Mishka Shubali, <laughs> who has written one, two, three, four Kindle singles. His latest is Bachelor Number One. About he is actually not too good looking for TV because he was picked to be on a reality. He's a very good looking guy. He's a good looking guy. We're Everybody here is looking very good looking. Guys. Very nine, good nine, nine out of ten uh, short balding men agree that I'm a good looking guy. <laughs> I, I would admit, I, <laughs> I'm one of the nine. <laughs> well, they even put his picture on the cover this time. Like Bachelor Number One has Mishka's picture. So if you're single and and uh, shopping, you should go buy his single and um, you and, know maybe and, get a date with him. You can, I, I'm glad that you're that you're hawking me on the radio. Hey, this show. is Date Girl. She pimps for you. We pimp for our guests. I write here. a dating advice column. It is my goal in life to get everyone laid. Um, his other 53 books are, shows and I'm still Owen 53. Oh, hello. Don't, don't make me. That's a perfect mm-hmm. record. Okay. Mm-hmm. A non-street. I'm giving okay, you yeah. the shut up mic yeah, face. Yeah. yeah what was Never me? mind. <laughs> and the long run, he wrote about um, getting sober by ultra marathoning, running like 50 miles till his toenails fell off. Um, <laughs> are you lonesome tonight? See, which is odd because normally you're the kind of guy I would hate. A guy who gets sober then runs marathons and makes. Ultra marathons. It's not a whippy 26 miles. I know. Make, make the rest of us really look bad yeah. anyway he's also a musician <laughs> a That's renaissance a, man he's a record out called how to make a bad situation worse he's in my friend zach's band fresh kills their <laughs> fresh kills their record raise up the sheets <sighs> former guest of the mike and judy show former guest yeah anyway so you got, thank yeah, you for yeah. being here you both, guys both, both renaissance man men who write and perform and right. are out there mike shaking is part it up. of unitard he's a dazzle dancer I am. So, I am. well, let's start off with the Kindle singles because I think this is a great format and I, I was really happy when someone figured it out as a writer myself. I get caught between a rock and a hard place sometimes. Something is too long to be a magazine story and of course the magazine market is kind of more abundant this market, especially for long form stories, whether fiction or non-fiction. Try to sell some fiction to a magazine, forget about it. And the Kindle is, is perfect. Mike, was what, yours really? one of the first ones? Uh, no, I don't huh. think it was one of the first, but Definitely when I uh, submitted mine, or when I was talking to David Blum, who's the editor-in-chief. Who is not of, allowed to be here with us today. Oh, he isn't? Because he's... Cause <laughs> they keep him under lock. They do. They yeah. Do. He's such a nice guy. But he, they were kind of... He was interesting to talk to, because he was just sort of like, we're discovering that these Kindle singles are somewhere... And I can't remember the word count, but it was something like some, somewhere between 16,000 and uh, 40,000 words. There's there some like number of... <laughs> words that they were deciding was like the kind of sweet spot for these for these uh, Kindle singles, and so this and what I was going to tell in the Kindle single just sort of fit the right fit that right slot between know? sixty and sixteen and forty thousand yeah, words. I know something like that. <laughs> That's some leeway for you. Totally, totally. But it's but it's weird because it's not it's not a magazine article like you like you said, Mike, and it's not a novel. It's like a it's this weird in between zone. And I think that the thing that um, makes me so happy about it is that. I feel like for a long time we've been in this sort of bifurcated, bipolar world where it's just like it has to be a novel or it has to be a magazine article. And, right. and now things are cracking through and things are at different lengths like they were back in the, you know. Back when the magazines published well, well, long reading stories. was actually a fad. I mean, there were times like, you know, that reading was a fad in the 1950s when everyone read pulp magazines mm-hmm. and so many people were writing fiction and short fiction detective stories, right. you know, genre stuff. Yeah. But people read digests in pulp magazines. And, and then you go back to like Ben Franklin and uh, the, the, or the invention of the printing press when, when pamphlets were being made. I mean, that, that, that's one of the things that's really interesting to me about like how traditional publishers are just sort of like crying murder about, um, you know, about the Kindle and about e-readers in general. But really what, I mean, what Kindle has done, I mean, at least for, for me, 
and for Mike is is give us an outlet to publish something that otherwise would have just you know would would never have seen the light of day. And the other thing is that like for kids, reading's kind of sexy now because you have like a fancy device to do it on, and people are I I think that people are reading a lot more in the same I way that I don't know like, about that. They're reading shorter things more. I, but well, the, the sad thing is, and Mike was mentioning this before that the Kindle singles, which may have started as sort of a literary outpost, is now being taken over by genre writers. Um, mm-hmm. And you're and you're seeing your James Patterson's writing, you know, short form stuff, and that's been what's been popular on Kindle. It's self help stuff, Bibles, and genre stuff. That's that's the biggest Kindle sellers. Totally. Well, I I, I mean I, I I would disagree with what Judy said. That I I do think because I see them everywhere. I mean, yeah. and it's I mean I I would compare it to the you know the transition we saw in the music industry of when you know when iPods and iTunes showed up, and now there's like so much music out there, and people always have their headphones on. But books aren't selling very much. Um, Not many copies. I mean, some are, but... I, I agree, but I, I think... I mean, one of the things that I think we, we're seeing a lot of is, you know, with stuff that's like Kindle single length, that the people have the attention span for that. I, I don't think books were selling, you know, before a Kindle either. Oh, no, I'm not saying the you know, Kindle put them that, out like, of business. I don't think you know, that at all. I, I, think, I think it's I think a we new saw format. People are, like, reading, you know, magazine articles and blog posts, you know, and just... But most blog posts are, like, a few hundred... Well, I think there's a confluence of a number yeah. of things, not least of all the internet. I know it's obviously been said before, but people's attention span is shorter and shorter and shorter everything is being dumbed down I mean TV is so fucking stupid and as a, a, a almost reality star show yourself you know better than anyone wait it's, he we, might be a reality <laughs> star We're, oh the show got cancelled though yeah yeah it got, well, he, didn't, uh, he didn't sign that like you know indentured servitude contract yeah. and like, you're giving away the well, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the that's cliffhanger the ending. Well, yeah, it, it, the show was called Three. It was um, it was on CBS for uh, a grand total of two episodes before they can. <laughs> they didn't it, even give it the dignity is, of going to three episodes. I know, I know, <laughs> which is really funny. But I mean, it's good because it means that they there won't be like guys in black suits like knocking on my door and then like taking me away to some corporate you know co- corporate law gulag. My favorite part of the whole bit is when they give you the thirty three page contract, which says they basically own you, your likeness, everything you've ever done for. for in perpetuity and you must appear anywhere they ask you to you know, for no money you know, you know for the rest of your life <laughs> yeah. for, for a very nominal amount of money and then the motherfucker actually has to say to you like look it's from CBS trust them yeah, that, that that just blew my mind you know yeah, it's Edward like, Morrow's you know, like rolling over in his grave right now yeah it's like you know trust BP you know, yeah, right. right. I, I, I can't believe there's still people out there that still fall for the reality show thing. You know what I mean? Like, there's like, still well, enough bachelors. You know how you say fuck you in show business? Trust me. There's still, they're out there and there's people who can. Who well, they're have, the same people who go on, like, talk shows and talk about their father raping them. Like, right. you know what? Some things should be between you, your therapist, and law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> it's just when, people want to be famous. Right. When, when I told them no, they were like, they could not believe it. It was what? like they yeah. had, like, just, like such no. hurt what? feelings. Like, I've had. Like lengthy relationships end with less fanfare. You know, I was getting like I, late night texts from them. I, I like, can't I, believe you broke up with CBS. <laughs> it was, Such a cat. He's just it was playing over hard for to a get. long time. He's holding out to be like one of the bachelors in three, the male series. No, it's, it's just, it's a, it is astonishing that what people will do for attention and to be on the on these shows. I mean, that was the, that was the thing too. Is that it? You know, it paid. I've had temp gigs. I don't think I've had a temp gig that paid as bad as the reality gig paid. You know, and they want you twenty four hours you have to agree to be filmed naked you know you have to I consider that but, a plus. At the, but at the same time you couldn't show your tattoos so uh, exactly <laughs> like you just, just tattoo your wiener and then you never get filmed <laughs> which know? reminds me that of an old joke idea. <laughs> 
The punchline is welcome to Jamaica. Have a nice day. <laughs> Mike, have you ever considered a reality TV show, being a um, performer, show people and all? I have not. I've worked on a couple of reality shows. Um, I worked on this, which I got, I should write about it, but there was uh, right after 9 11 um, when we were all just like, what's the world? Ha- what's happening? Um, I got a gig as I was desperate for money. Uh, working for a show about party crashers where oh, people yeah. walk into parties and crash them. And and it was sort of tested the edge of reality shows because the sound was bad, the lighting was bad, the release forms were a nightmare. Yeah. And and then I was the a writer for it, which is just impossible because <laughs> there's no writing. So I was just it was like this totally like Kafka esque job where I just sat there like not writing but getting money and it is a bizarre thing yeah. out there you know That's I mean, nice, so. it's not like a sweet gig man you didn't have to be on TV I, so. I, think, I think Andy Warhol was optimistic when he said that everyone would be famous for 15 minutes because what he didn't realize is that we'd all be famous for the same 15 minutes and it wouldn't matter <laughs> That's hilarious yeah well the other thing is like internet fame is sort of you know you get all this attention but it mean, really means nothing it's like waking up with like big breasts one day actually I love it's I like, like everybody that. stares at you and it's like but that's it what you say in, uh, in the Kindle Signal I love it you say you know the internet is great until you're on TV and then you realize now TV is huge man hitting a million people at a pop that's a low rated TV show that's low rated cable a million at a pop what does The Bachelor reach every week I have no idea I mean it's fucking unbelievable it doesn't reach me yeah CBS was they were saying almost 12 million uh, nightly viewers yeah. I have enough trouble Going to the store Passing like enough people That I know Having to stay high If a million people <laughs> Were stopping me To say hello every day I can understand Why Lindsay gets so upset Well the other thing Is like you live in Brooklyn For 14 years And you, yeah, you well, sort of yeah. Get to know everybody But the and, internet Is uh, like a village <laughs> <laughs> at, You know At Fresh Kill shows You look out Into the crowd And it's like Slept with her, slept with her, slept with her. <laughs> I, I, what I was going to say, she seems like a nice person. She seems like a nice uh-huh, person. Uh-huh. She seems like she has interesting ideas. I You're remember, changing why, why, my why, opinion yeah. about musicians. I remember, on, Judy. I remember when I had two Facebook friends and I had slept with 50% of them. So, speaking of Renaissance uh, men, though, I think Mitch is going to play a song for us while we uh, get some pizza. Um, what song are we going to hear? hear? Oh, all these songs are songs I wrote before I quit drinking. That's my caveat. So, Mike, you will, you may actually like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, here uh, we this, go. This one's called uh, Your Plus One at My Funeral. <laughs> that sounds cheery. Right here we are with Mitch Kishalubi on the Mike and Judy Show, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. I got destroyed last night and fell asleep watching the last picture show. You were playing every role. I woke up today and wrote another obituary waltz that you're never gonna hear. Then I stared into your picture until I disappeared. I know you'll be looking so beautiful in a long black dress at my funeral, but who's gonna be 
your plus one Have you crying on his arm When I'm lying there so cold Who's gonna walk you home When I'm rotting down below Who's gonna walk you home When I'm rotting down below Well it's not so bad this windowless life I have my good days I reach about as high as lonesome And as low as the black plague I've seen the underwater garden Let me tell you man I am not afraid to die As much as I'm afraid to Feel like dying every day For the rest of my life I know you'll be looking So beautiful In a long black dress At my funeral But Who's gonna be your plus one? Have you crying on his arm When I'm lying there so cold? Who's gonna walk you home When I'm rotting down below? gonna walk you home when I'm rotting down below all right <laughs> well I'm glad you quit drinking thank you Joe that'll, that'll perk up your Sunday right? that's good it's the Mike and Judy show <laughs> but hey he quit drinking he's not on the verge of death he's in better shape than anyone I know I know making the rest of us look bad again so getting bored with running 50 miles so he takes up kickboxing so what do you, what do you think about what do you think about this uh, South African cat the Olympics with the uh, prosthetic uh, bouncy feet I haven't watched any of the Olympics at all oh, oh my god men's water I, polo I think men's sports swimming. <laughs> I think really? sports are, are kind of dumb. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, well, I hate sports. Whatever. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, like, well, not only do you hate sports, apparently you hate professional wrestling too. And you hate America. <laughs> you are anti-American. Wait, I can explain. <laughs> no, I can't really. <laughs> what, I, what I do want to ask you about is we were talking before about the model of the Kindle singles to get back uh, to where we started. Uh, this what happened to the music industry when things everything went digital. Um, but you guys are both performers too. And most writers aren't. And, you know, I face that same challenge, and Judy does, too, to a certain degree, is we try to get our message out and try to do live appearances and try to bring the message to the people as sort of some way to get around and differentiate ourselves from this whole other mess. I think that's what's left with the music industry. They realized they got to get out there and do it. You just can't, you know, depend on selling books without real access and real contact with the people. You guys finding it easy enough to 
put those two things together because I still think there's a disconnect between, you know, in terms of the general public, of writers who are also performers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, a lot of people ask me that, you know, they say like, well, are you a writer or are you a musician right. or what are you? And it's like, you can only have one epithet. I'm you know, awesome. You're, That's you're Bob answer. the Builder <laughs> or you're, you know, like, you know, Dick the Butcher or whatever. But I mean, I, you know, I just do, right. I'll do everything I, you know, everything and anything I can not to have to hold an honest job. Well, there's but, always <laughs> this weird thing that like, if you wanted to be an artist, you'd have to stop. If you were a, a musician and you wanted to be a painter, um, take Don Van Vliet as one example I think of, they told him, stop making records for eight years because no one will take you seriously if you're doing two art forms and it, and it worked for him and I think you know David Bowie they basically said if you really want to be an actor quit making records but, but it, Mike did a did some great videos to go along with your book The Underminer yeah well that's I was gonna say purely on a creative level like uh, performance and writing have always been completely inter- intertwined for me um, my, my first novel was based on stories that I've been doing a lot of storytelling and I kind of and, and then uh, The Underminer was based on a character that I had performed live, and then I turned it into a book. And The Junket, um, I had been, you know, the, all that shit happened to me, and then I was writing it down, and it looked like a crazy person that had written it. And then um, I got invited by the Movement Research Performance Festival to do a 30-minute uh, slot. So then I honed it down to the, the story and told the story and there's something great about being on stage because it really edits you down it gets rid of all those false words yeah you can tell when people you, don't laugh yeah, like, yeah. You, you it moves along you, you're moving along at a pace and so I, then I took that 30 minutes and then I expanded it a little bit more and put some more detail in it so so the, the performance side of things is always part of and I think maybe before I don't know 1930 or something people were telling stories I don't know why I chose that <laughs> decade, but um, people, people, there's always you're been a historian. A, well, too. Yeah, well exactly. before 1930, there was no internet. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but but imagine a time without recorded sound. You know, right. when you wanted to hear music, you had a piano in your house and you had to make it yourself. Right. And you'd go out and you'd buy sheet music, and that's how you bought music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a crazy thing. I mean, I talked more recently just about going out and buying a record. You know, and especially a difficult to find record. If you lived in suburbia and you wanted to find you know a record by some old black cat or some weird punk rock record, you know, you had to make a real fucking effort to get it. And when you brought it home, it was like bringing silk Showing from the Orient. Showing our age, Mike. <laughs> How many years of experience do we have between us, Judy? <laughs> Nearly a century, my this friend. This made me want to vomit. I, I mean, I think what Mike is saying is, you know, is, is on point, though. I mean, you know, that um, when you're... You know, when you're trying to bring a story to life in front of a you know a live crowd, that that's really where you can tell the the shit from the food. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and it's and um, you know, I mean, when if you're if you're telling an anecdote to somebody, you're like, oh man, I, I walked to the store and they were out of diet coke. You know, but if you're writing it down, it's like some you know some some. Hey, you it's know, easy 50- to be funny at the bar. I would understand <laughs> that horror. <laughs> you know, but I when, have that when you're left to your own devices, you like you know you get all fancy, and it's it's fifteen thousand words. But you know when you're you know by the time you get to the store, but and you haven't even started looking for the diet coke. Right. But when you're you know when you're telling a story, especially when people are like looking at their watches and shit like that, like yeah, you know, that's bad. Ready to get out of there. Well, that's that's a good mm. thing about you know performing the stuff is you get to workshop and you realize what jokes work and which jokes don't. And hopefully by the time you get back to New York, you know, you <laughs> test it out on the road. Right. And I, get back to New York, to say, you know which jokes are working, which jokes are not. I have to say there probably is a detriment. Like, I don't think, I think people don't think you're serious or something. Like, Jonathan Franzen, if he suddenly was just like, hey, I'm going to test out my material live. Like, people would be like, oh, his, ser- his books aren't as serious as I thought they were. Like, there is definitely, like, a risk you're taking. Well, I, I get it all the time. Yeah. When my first yeah. book came out on Farrell Strauss Giroux, and I was touring it with a band behind me or a bongo mm. player, and every gig was like a beatnik happening, and I was telling stories, and people came and they liked it, but the people at the publisher were like, why do you have to do that? Right. Why can't you just read from a podium like everybody else? Which goes back to this publishing industry and how fucked it is. It's 
it's like huh. so stupid about um, marketing and um, it, and there's there seriously I've never it's like they wear caveman outfits. I, to work. I, I, don't well, I, I think the solution is to keep doing exactly what we're doing. Exactly. I mean, you, you know, you don't expect your friends to be like one flat, you know, like two D thing. You know, like this is <laughs> this is the jokey guy. You know, and right. this is the right. serious guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was like, we're obviously we're all like round people. You know, and I think that you know that <laughs> some eventually, of us more than others. <laughs> <laughs> maybe another twenty five years from now, the, the stuff shirts and publishing will figure out that this is a good thing and not a bad well, thing. Well, I think right? they're starting to come around. Yeah. I mean, because they have no choice. Yeah. But big publishing has always been behind. When it, Also, like when my first book came out, I was all, I was all over the digital format. I thought ebooks are great, and I still do. If people are reading the stuff, it's great. I don't really care if it's on paper or not. If my message is getting to people, I think it's a positive thing. I like I, all books. I'm not in I the like business paper. of selling paper. You know, yeah. I have I've, you know, piles of books in my house. I adore them. But if you're reading my words and you're laughing with me, I win. Yeah, right, exactly. And there are I, certain books though that I prefer to have on paper. Sure, like I bought course. the Wonorovich book, the Cynthia Carr book, which is fucking amazing. It's six hundred wor- six hundred pages. I bought it a big hard copy because I wanted it. I'm reading How to Be a Woman by Caitlin Morgan or Caitlin Moran, which is hilarious. But I bought that on my Kindle. This yeah. is the thing, though, is that I, I really think that um, that ebooks and e-readers are going to do for hardbacks what MP3s have done for vinyl. Mm-hmm. You know, vinyl is like doing better than it was ten years ago because now the CDs are dying. You know, and CDs have gone the way the paperbacks will go. Where if you want to buy something that's disposable, you'll just buy it for your e-reader. Mm-hmm. And then if you want something that you want to have, like Led Zeppelin Five. Then you'll buy the well. The the vinyl, vinyl is still a niche, though. I mean, that's for people who are really serious and serious collectors. It's yeah, not, but, but no Britney Spears fan is going to buy her record on vinyl. It's for those of us who like classic. I don't rock know. And punk There's rock some queens out there <laughs> who I know who will totally buy that. Um, but you, it's funny because now I, I do have this fantasy. It's like Project Number Forty Five to go back and print out my Kindle single and make it a nice little tiny little book that I put in. In independent bookstores. Oh, I think that's yeah. a, that's a great idea. Yeah. I think it should exist in both formats, and I believe you're allowed to do that, right? The Kindle. Well, yeah, I keep, the, you I keep asking David, and he's like, "I'll get back to you on that." And then I'm like, "He's not getting back to me," so I'm like, "Okay, I'm just going to fuck it and do it." And then they can like yell no, at me. I I, 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 mean, I'm no lawyer, obviously, but I think you can do that, and I think that that's one thing that you know that's really cool about it is that it's. I mean, it's a very it's it's the opposite of the agreement that CBS gave me that you know with Amazon they're just acting as a middleman selling your stuff. I love the cut. they don't own you. Well, it's good because that's they, great. Well, that's amazing. Well, that's, that's the wonderful really thing. And people have said, especially if you have a name, hey, you don't even need a publisher anymore. I mean, really, what's the useless middleman? A good American tradition. But if you have a platform like being on television or, you know, if you do have like, you know, 50,000 Twitter followers, sure, you could sell it directly you know, to, your, to your crowd and get all the money yourself. Well, th- this is the thing, though. I mean, it's like when I went into Amazon, I, nobody knew who I was. I mean, I was just sort of like an anonymous druggie. And Dave was like, oh, this is going to be a great idea. You know, people are going to read this. And I was like, Dave, you're full of shit. But you've come through for me a bunch of times in the past, so I'm going to take a chance on you. And he was totally right. But it it wasn't something great that I brought to it. It was the platform, and you know, and Amazon definitely, you know, in my mind, they earned the money that you know they definitely earned their percentage by. They, pr- they promote the hell you know, out of they them. Do. Yeah, there's, exactly. there's this really interesting contract that you see of the of what they do. Uh, Internally, uh, on Amazon, like how they highlight your name and, and you know recommended reading, and they'll they'll add you to these different lists. And then there's this some one hilarious 
thing. It's just like the Sparkle Stars program or something, and it's got this hilarious name. And I was like, "What the fuck is the Sparkle Star program?" And it's, I guess, it's, it's, something comes up in the corner of the screen that shimmers or something, and then you, as a you dazzle there. dancer, you must appreciate. I know it's that. just like the word Sparkle. I was like, "Oh my god, yay, Sparkle!" But um, yeah, they they do uh, internally. They do a lot of wonderful stuff. But speaking to the democracy, the so-called democracy of the internet, isn't it a little scary when Amazon, who's got such, such a big player, is becoming a publisher? I mean, they're a bookseller, it and, is, now they're, and they're opening and now they're, a store, too. and now they're a publisher. Mm-hmm. When Barnes and Noble becomes a publisher, and they own stores, they own Barnes the last and big. Also a publisher, they are, and they're the last you know really big store. And those they yeah. still are really good at selling books, Barnes and Noble. And for all their giant stock in their in their superstores, still there's a lot of books that don't get in there. A lot of books that don't get in there. By the way, I saw your book in Barnes & Noble on, on a table yeah. out in front. It was on a table out front? It was on a table front? out front. I was I so proud. I have to go take pictures. I cavelled. I cavelled. Oh, my God. And that's Judy McGuire's book, the official book of sex, drugs, and rock and roll lists. Out now. now. Available everywhere. Is it, is, it available, for... is it available for the Kindle? No. No? <laughs> that's why Except you don't the, like it. I, I think if I tried to download your book, my Kindle would explode. Yeah, it's too <laughs> filthy for it was too filthy for Hal Leonard. It's too filthy for the Kindle. No, I think I have to talk to my publisher on Monday, but um, yeah, I think it's going to come out on Kindle soon. But like I said, I think the Kindle's a great thing, and I think there's a lot of room to experiment with enhanced books and bells and whistles. And you know, like I was saying, when I when my book came out, it was going to be on the Kindle, and I make videos and performance videos, and I am a songwriter and play all this shit. I said, let me just throw it all there and give it away for free because it's promotion and to get people to my gigs which you know is a big turn on as you guys know to actually be in front of people with your stuff and they're like no we can't do that for you because if we do it for you Tom Wolf will want it too because it's because that's when they stopped being FSG and they right. started to be McMillan and the whole corporation started coming down. Well, I mean, I really and think that we're we're going to see that you know what happening happened in the music industry happen uh, you know again happen in the publishing industry where um, I'm going to predict years from now that we're going to have like indie publishing labels mm-hmm. totally. you know where it could, because to be a publisher now is nothing. I mean, you send an order to a you know a printer and like pay for the books. Well, the problem is writing a book is a real pain in the ass, as you know. Well, that, it's like having is, yes. it's like having homework <laughs> every right. day for. A year, but making a record is relatively easy. That's why books still have gravitas. Well, to make a great record, maybe not, but you know how many records are being put out right now, and kids are making them in their kitchens, and some of them sound really good actually, and they push yeah, a but button. People are writing novels on their phones, and like you know, there's there's a huge thing in Japan of like these fourteen year old girls who are writing romance novels like th- through text messages and stuff like that. Okay, fourteen year old I mean, girls writing romance novels is not going to break some giant literary bubble. Uh, we know 50 that Fifty Shades of Grey fan Come fiction. On. I know. Well, that's crazy. That's crazy. It, I know. That's a phenomenon. It's a lightning in a bottle and not probably a good business model to follow. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here, you guys. Mike Albo, where can we find you on the internet? Um, MikeAlbo.com, I guess. Oh. Uh, but also, awesome. Crazy. But also, um, uh, my Twitter feed is Albo Mike. Thank you. Mishko? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at MikeAlbo.com as well. <laughs> you guys are shacking no, up. Uh, MishkaShibali.com and uh, MishkaShibali on Twitter. Do you have any shows coming up? Hell no. <laughs> Not even a Fresh Kills show? I, uh, oh, yeah. Fresh Kills is oh. playing... Uh, oh, yeah, my oh, yeah that other band. Oh, yeah. Those guys. Um, yes, we're playing on Wednesday, August 15th at Public Assembly with Violent Bullshit. Oh, I love them. Well, it's good enough for Mike and Judy. It should be good enough for everybody. And we're going to go out with a song from Mishka. What are we going to hear now? Uh, it's an, another drinking song. Because <laughs> no, that's the really, only kind of song that I have. Can you play like have you 99 bottles of beer on the wall? Have you since you've sobered up? I have not written a single oh. song since uh, I've stopped okay. drinking. Okay, and let that be a lesson to that's everyone out there in Radio Land. So, for Judy McGuire and our fantastically, awesomely talented guest, it's Mike Edison. Thanks to Joe, our great engineer, here on the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting from Berta's. Mishka, laid on us. What are we going to hear? Uh, this, this one's called uh, Taxes in Jail. 
See you guys next week. She turns off the light in the bedroom To make it easier to pretend I'm somebody new Baby, I don't blame you for pretending Well, I'm pretending I'm someone else too So let's raise a glass to disappointment Let's raise a glass to regret What the hell Let's raise a glass To pretending That we never met You won't hear from me That you're beautiful Cause it's your insecurity That keeps you around But baby, you know you can always count on me When you need someone to let you down So let's raise a glass to disappointment Let's raise a glass to betrayal Let's raise a glass Let's raise a glass To everything failed You played nurse To my wounded soldier And damn it That skirt fits you well such a sweet kid stuck with an invalid surprised you lasted as long as you did so let's raise a glass to failed ventures let's raise a glass to plans gone awry My love was as big as the Titanic Is that an iceberg between your thighs? So let's raise a glass to cheap shots Let's raise a glass to betrayal God damn it all to hell Let's raise a glass Let's raise a glass To everything failed Yeah, let's drink To taxes and jail Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. 
You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.